Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle here with Mr. Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Management and Kara Brodegam from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. We are back to our regular schedule today, and we're just don't have any guests on. We're just going to kind of talk about some of the latest industry news and some of the things. I think we had a show like this uh, prior to the end of 2020. We'll just kind of see where it goes, what topics we hit on, maybe uh, open it up for some discussion if you guys want to comment on Facebook and let us know some of the things that we should cover in the future. Uh, we can actually pull in those comments in real time here, hopefully, if it works. Uh, so if you're on uh, one of those Facebook pages for Woodalls, for Insider Perks, for the Canadian Camping and RV Council, let us know as we continue this discussion. We're going to look for show ideas, stuff like that. But first, before we get started, Ben, we've got to address the elephant in the room here because last week, Mr. Ben Quiggle was left alone to do the show all by himself. It was horrible. Um, oh. I just, the first question that I have is, Kara, how could you do that to him? I know. I, could... It was so, so not my intention to leave Ben totally alone. I was a little bit busy, a tiny bit busy right at that time, um, doing a few things. Uh, we had our Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference and Expo. Um, if, if, or those watching didn't know. Um, I didn't know <laughs> about it. Ben's show. It happened last week? <laughs> yeah. Well, next year they're going to hire a good marketing guy so you know about it, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I actually didn't have a chance. I was going to this weekend go back and watch it. and, and uh, didn't It wasn't have worth it. Don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's really? You, did anybody watch it? I, I there was it. no, I didn't have a chance. There were some people, and I think uh, Mark Jacob commented during the show. Yeah. But uh, I know I did have some technical issues at the very beginning. I think like the first two to three minutes, it my vo my sound was like muted or something, and uh, so um, I was just talking to myself. So that was okay. But then once we got going, it went pretty well. So good. Yeah, I'll have to go check it out. <laughs> But uh, remember when I tried to do the KOA one, we had Cam on or whatever, and she wasn't on in the beginning, and then I had problems sharing my screen, and then it was my audio cut out. Yeah. I disappeared. So it's definitely not a you thing, Ben. Like we always have trouble when we're by ourselves, so we should just stick together. I think that's the lesson just, that we've all I learned. Just, Teamwork. I mean, we toured the platform, so it was a really good platform you guys had, uh, and um, I mean, it was pretty good. I, I guess I have a monotone voice, so my voice doesn't change at all. So I probably put some people to sleep. So did, um, did, has someone told you that, or I think someone told me that during our get together last week. Oh. But anyways, my wife's told me that before. So, um, but that's not always a bad thing, right? I mean, sleep regenerates us; it gives yeah. us, revitalizes. So maybe somebody oh, just needed look. sleep, and you did a good thing for them. I have a good career future as a sleep aid, like person. Yeah, you know? I was I just, gonna say you should be that guy on the calm app or whatever who just like always <laughs> look for the positives. One yeah. sheep. You have an undiscovered talent here that you should capitalize on. But uh Kara, you took Friday off and maybe some of Saturday. Did you regenerate from your conference experience? Yes. I well, I got in a little bit of trouble. My email was quite busy on Friday, so I did uh, have to deal with a few little things. But for the most part, no, I um, I followed orders and took some time to just, you know, get my house back in order and uh, those basic, you know, mom life things. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very necessary. And then got outside and got some fresh air over the weekend, too, which I really needed after a full week stuck in this room in front of a green screen. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I mean, uh, I thought the conference went really well, and you guys were able to donate uh, quite a bit of money to care camps, which was really nice. So, um, uh, you know, and every all the feedback was really great. So, I mean, yeah. you guys definitely are in a good position to do something next year, I guess. So, yeah, I am excited to see what uh, what we can put together for next year. I think. Obviously, there's a lot of fluid components to, to those decisions that the board of directors at CCRVC is going to have to consider. But uh, overall, you know, response was really, really great. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased despite some, you know, little tech hurdles and glitches in the early, early <laughs> moment. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, um, you know, we had, Typical things you see with a virtual event that 
kind of are hard to get away from. Um, and we, we went great despite those things. So I'm, I'm overall, I'm really, really pleased and excited to see uh, what happens for next year. I think it was a great way to kick off a new year and kind of start getting ready for another really great camping season this summer. Um, I think everybody's so positive and like excited to dive into stuff now. And, and we covered so many cool topics and had so many great education sessions that I think folks are considering some cool strategies for their business that they maybe hadn't before and all kinds of stuff came out of it, which is fabulous. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it, uh, I was just, uh, really impressed with like the networking. Um, the, uh, I really liked the speed dating. That was kind of a lot of fun. Um, even when you got stuck with somebody that you knew, you, uh, um, still had a great conversation. Um, at first it was a little weird cause I wasn't used to the three minutes. So I just kept getting cut off. All of a sudden people would just, we would be talking and then we'd get cut off. So. Me too. Yeah, me too. It's tough, right? Especially like in that dynamic where you match with somebody you know and you're like, oh my gosh, you haven't seen each other in a long time or whatever. You start catching up. Three minutes flies by. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. So um, uh, it's kind of like when we do this show though. Like we do the show for an hour or more, um, an hour, 20 minutes sometimes. And it seems like, you know, when we get talking and if we have a good conversation going, the hour just flies wow. by. So. Yeah, um, I'm a little depressed this morning because the Buffalo Bills lost. So if I, I have to leave to go cry, that's <laughs> I why. I bring it up. Uh, what a shame. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> but um, you know what? I was reading over the weekend, and I don't know if I want to bring this up, but I am going to bring it up. I um, was reading over the weekend about, uh, it was in a blog about some RVer talking about uh, vaccination requirements for RV parks. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, you know, whether var RV parks would be either forced to take vaccination <laughs> records or whatever. I thought that was just kind of an interesting. You know, we were talking before the thing went on the air about controversial topics. <laughs> I know. I think we shouldn't talk about The biggest one that could possibly be thrown into the whole mix right here quickly. I just thought it might be kind of We lost, did we lose? I lost Quiddle's your audio. audio. I lost Quiddle's audio. Oh, there you go. Can you hear me? Yep. You bet. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to get too in depth with it because I don't know the legality and, you know, obviously some of this stuff's more than likely going to go through the court system. But, uh, you know, I just thought it was kind of an interesting food for thought, you know, like I know a lot of, uh, airlines and um, some different, you know, when you do different trips out of the country and stuff, they're going to start, they're talking about starting to require and they have these digital passports and it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. To, I thought it was an interesting read to see an RV, an RV or kind of tackle that. So let me ask, are you, are you approaching it from the aspect of that the government might mandate this at campgrounds or that campgrounds individually or on a franchise basis, will choose to mandate it for their guests. I mean, I think he was just looking at it both ways, um, and he he mentions, you know, that we have to keep proofs of vaccinations for pets, and that we do vaccinations for like school, and that those are a requirement. And and I think you know he kind of the, the kind of leans towards the idea of you know this is just going to be one of those types of situations. Um, he asks a bunch of questions. It was. I mean, I could put this in the little chat thing. Well, actually, I don't think I can. I don't know. I don't have access to it, but I'll put it on the chat thing for in our face in the Woodall's Facebook page. But it yeah. was just kind of an interesting, I mean, I don't think he, he doesn't come to anything definitive. It's just kind of an interesting look at, you know, what could happen and there, how that could impact everything. There. I'm sorry. Just you put it in the face. See, it shows up on the right hand side. Did you yeah, suggest you it? Yeah, posted it in the Facebook. Oh, there we go. We tested it. It works. Fancy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. I think um, overwhelmingly I'm hearing some in some private conversations among campground owners that they have no interest in starting to have to, you know, police or even get involved at all in the health decisions of their guests. Um, so it will be interesting, I think, to see um, and perhaps our two countries will do different things and have different expectations. Um, but it will definitely be interesting to see what sort of legal requirements 
come out here that will impact our members and their businesses for sure. And yeah. Just stepping back from my perspective, right? I would see that the, the, the benefit of this, of the idea, right? Is the same as airlines and all the other travel places is to sure. the spread of it by limiting the people who are traveling who do not currently have it. Is that right? Ben, I didn't read the article. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, they're just, yeah, they're just approaching it as, you know, if all these other ones are doing it, then maybe some, and I think he mentions in the article too, that he doesn't think that it's going to be an overall thing. There may be just, RVers may run into it um, where they're trying to book at a resort and one resort will have that policy and maybe another resort down the street won't. Um, obviously, maybe a state will require it. I don't know. So that's kind of what I would lean toward. Like, I think it's probably going to be a patchwork. Like certain people have vicious dog policies and certain people have different definitions of what a vicious dog actually is. And yeah. so kind of a patchwork everywhere by both uh, owner preference as well as local rules and regulations and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I don't think that like in the beginning, right? Like in the beginning in February or March, before I saw how all this kind of stuff was playing out, one of the questions that briefly went through my mind was, well, RV parks are obviously safer because they're outside and all those things that we've learned and we know now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but there's still a question of people traveling from who knows where to go who knows where. Yeah. And so I don't think if, if there's no, at least down here, if there's no appetite, and I can't speak for Canada, right? But from what I've seen down here, if there's no appetite to limit the restriction of travel state to state, then I doubt that there's going to be a restriction of mandating a vaccine either. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and he also mentions a really good point. He's like, you know, um, some, he says right here, some RV parks will be lauded for requiring proof while others will be chastised or blackballed. Some sure. will get both as differing sides of opinion weigh in as they submit campground reviews. So that will be yeah. interesting too. It's uh, so polarizing, but I think there's also factors to consider around privacy laws and requirements you know, can you can you expect your guests to show up and all have to show a card or something? And and are you going to record that then? How do you store yeah. that information? Are you basing your conversation on what Daryl said in the chat here? Who? Who? Oh, Daryl says posted. Uh, and would uh, would HIPAA require that you can just look at proof oh. but not report anywhere? So yeah, that's you just yeah. I mean, that's a good time. That's a good yeah. consideration. I, I, I can't imagine having to make those choices as an operator right now. No, and I can't imagine that um, a park owner would want to take the legal responsibility of having to, like, what, you know, are you going to copy the proofs? Are you going to keep them on record? And if you do keep them on record, they have to be in some sort of special filing system, I would imagine, for HIPAA. I don't know. So. Well, that's well, the thing. Like maybe you don't record it in your record book, but it's in your head. And so when you're walking around your campground, you're intentionally avoiding certain people who you know haven't been vaccinated. <laughs> you remember, right? Well, and discrimination thing. And frankly, like, yeah, does it create a scenario where, you know, number one, maybe your whole team, maybe your team is large. And so not everyone is aware when that person checks in of, of kind of what happened and what went down. And, and then also, like Brian said, I think it creates a scenario where, you know, do you then keep track of, are you turning away the folks that don't? Are you strategizing about where you put people, people in your park? Like, park, yeah. what sort of environment does this <laughs> create? I just, like, socially, I it's a very, very overwhelming topic. I can't. Great way to open the show, Ben. <laughs> I like them. I, I mean, it was just something I, you know, actually it was posted um, on uh, Mark, Co Mark, uh, it's not Cope. How does he pronounce his name? It's. Oh, Mark Kep. Mark Kep. That's it. I always I say Cope. Oh, talk to him all the time. I know. I do talk to him all the time and I always say Cope and he always says Kep. And I'm always trying to remember to say Kep and I always forget. But um, I, I ran into the article on his Facebook group last week, his owner and operator, and I thought it was just an interesting article. I was, um, you know, it, it wasn't really something we'd post on Woodalls, but it was definitely an interesting, it really gets, you know, he really just asked a lot of questions and it really gets you thinking about, you know, if you're a park owner, what does that mean for my park and, and something to definitely keep an eye on, I guess. So. Yeah, he's right. I guess, I mean, I, 
you're right. It is a good thing to spark those conversations and bring that stuff up and get people thinking in advance and stuff like that. But I guess uh, you don't want too much of that, right? Because then you get overwhelmed as a park owner thinking of all the possibilities and all the things you have to worry about and it causes anxiety. And you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. So, Well, and there's so many variables. It's going to be hard to make those hard decisions and before, you know, some legal things are decided and uh you know where the positions are uh relating to your local government and things like that it's i mean like all like this whole past year we just wait and see yeah. <laughs> let's see yeah i think the only way any of it works is there has to be and i'm not saying that the federal government should do this to be clear i'm just saying the only way any of things similar to that works is to have a consistent national policy for something whether that's a vaccine or something else. And again, I'm not arguing for or against it. I'm just simply saying that that's the only way that you make it consistent because- Certainly in the dynamic of travel and yes. Yes. You know, moving around, physically moving around. I think, I agree. I think a, a broader mandate is gonna be necessary to keep things uniform. Well, maybe necessary isn't the word. They do crazy weird things that should you'd think should be necessary all the time, um, but it would be ideal if if there's going to be expectation like that for it to be across the board to sim just to simplify enforcement or, or whatever for for or what the responsible for how they keep the record what they can share and not share instead of leaving it to the owner to, to scramble. Get. Yeah, I think that's been part of the problem with with all these restrictions that have been gone out that some are different in different states is camp runners can't keep up. It's different in one city to the next, one zip code to the next, one area code to the next. And then left to the owner to sort out to police people who aren't wearing masks. Like that's not a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. It's not your job as a camp runner to do that. That's a yeah. tough dynamic. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, I mean, it, it is tough. Um, I, you know, we, we, uh, California right now is dealing with some of that, um, with their regional stay at home orders and the way they, it's kind of like a patchwork of restrictions and in things. And, uh, the way they group the regions and everything is kind of interesting. And it's just kind of for the park owners, it's very confusing and, and difficult to understand why they're doing some of the stuff they're doing. So. Well, and it's often not simple for a park owner to pivot in the middle of things. Yeah. You know, it's if if restrictions suddenly change and your park is full, <laughs> it's not just a easy solution to to boot everybody out or go to less capacity or whatever else. It's it's a big undertaking for sure. Well, and I think part of that is the different information coming from all different sides, right? If you've got a park in California, then you're talking to your peers in Texas who have no restrictions at all. And you're wondering, well, why am I being singled out or isolated just because I have a certain governor or a specific local city or where I live or what I do that's causing me to have or not have restrictions? It seems kind of silly. Like it should just be consistent. Agreed. Whatever way it is. Again, I'm not arguing for one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is going to be tough to get consistent, though, with the way it's so polarized right now um, and the way uh, the states operate independently. It is tough to do some of that national stuff, mm -hmm. but it would be nice so um, to at least get some of that stuff done so that the park owners knew what was going on. So, yeah, uh, too many things to do with your park as it is. You definitely don't need this to add to your plate. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, it, the vaccination thing, you know, I think we did that, held that together pretty well. We didn't get too controversial, so that's good. <laughs> now you know we can do it, Ben. What's your next controversial topic? Yeah, let's keep on rolling. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, you know, I've just been uh, surprised at all the new. I know we've talked about this on the show, but all the new construction stuff. Uh, you know, KOA said they're doing like 12. They've got 12 in the pop pipe, pipeline for new constructions of people that are um, going to be joining their system. They're building parks right now, and they're going to be joining the KOA system here in the next year or two, which is just stunning. And um, I just, uh, it's just very surprising, I guess, you know, I'll just say it again. It's just very surprising how hot the market is right now. I just can't. Um, I always uh, look for it to slow down maybe a little bit, but it's it's just going full steam ahead right now. So it's just pretty crazy. You're talking from a standpoint of it's the outdoors and we saw the huge rush and there's a lot of numbers and RVs being sold, or are you talking about the 
financial, like willing to put my money down and build something right now aspect or both. Oh, yeah. I mean, both. it's both. I mean, it's just, it's just stunning. Like there's such a huge draw right now. And it's just, it, it just surprises me to see all the investors um, that are coming in. Uh, it's like all of a sudden the COVID thing really put it into overdrive and um, the investors are like, wow, we can really make some money um, getting into this business. I mean, we got development groups that have been here for a while and then we've got development groups that are like, you know, just entering the sector. So, yeah. Well, and I, I'm really hopeful that it's going to impact some of the uh, problems that I think a lot of operators, maybe this is Canada specific, I'm not sure, but we typically in, in the last, well, in the past have seen issues with getting lending from uh, financial institutions because they see the business as quite volatile. Um, I, I really hope this is going to have a positive impact on, on that dynamic because we have tons of private operators up here who want to expand their businesses and improve their businesses in order to stay competitive in, in the market that's so hot and, and um, sought after right now. They need to do some of those things and, and they're having trouble accessing the, the financing and, uh, and backing to be able to do that. And it's going to be difficult for them if, if, the big banks or whoever else don't get on board. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a problem I think we, we do face to a limited extent down here. I mean, it's it's a lot better than it was a few years ago. I know KOA has been working with Independence Bank and there have been some other players that have come. I think Randy Isaacson, is that a name, Ben, that I've heard? Was yeah. yeah. Has a bank that's been helping a lot of people. And so, yeah, I think that is a natural consequence of becoming more popular in the outdoors and uh, getting yep. more people involved and then more people understanding the issue. I think that down here, the development is like, I think it's a couple things And this. Again, I'm not an expert in any of this by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that from a financial aspect of it, money is really, really, really cheap right now. Like there's almost no interest rate in anything. No. You can borrow basically whatever you want to do, whatever you want. And then there's right. the consequence of there's very little other places to park your money right now. And so that, Maybe the pre, maybe the expectation of what percentage you needed to grow that business in 2019 is lower now because there's fewer other places that you can get an equal or better return on investment with that cash. Absolutely, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I'm hopeful it's going to have a positive impact on the perception of our industry on on the lender side for sure. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just the developments either. There's been a lot of movement in the in the selling of campgrounds and a lot of new people entering the sector through that. I mean, um, I think last week we had three or four stories up about just um, people buying uh, uh, RV parks and campgrounds and, you know, they're coming from different uh different fields, different backgrounds, and they're just buying an RV park and wanting to start a new career. So that's been pretty exciting too. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what all these new ideas and everything bring to the industry. So um, we talked to, uh, I talked to RVC's, um, RVC last week, Andy Cates, RVC CEO, and, you know, he just mentioned, you know, the, the segmentation is getting a little bit clearer where, you know, you have your like luxury resorts and your family, like water park campgrounds and your mom and pop campgrounds. And uh, he feels like that's going to get a little bit stronger with all these new developments and the new owners coming in and everything. So. Well, so that's an interesting aspect, right? I mean, if you're a developer, like when 2018, 2019, a couple years before that, uh, what we were seeing from our end working with all our clients was there's a very big huge push toward that luxury model uh, yep. and i think there still exists that but i think some people have also backed off a little bit whereas it's it's nice but it's not luxury it's modern maybe but it's not luxury and, and so i think that there's kind of those two things that are split right nobody goes into it attempting to build a terrible park with no amenities uh, or at least i haven't found one that i've crossed you know come across um but I don't know. Like I, I it's interesting. I, I lost my track of thought there for a second, but I, th uh, I think people are are so uh, drawn to being outdoors, and that really kind of 
environmental experience more so than this, or maybe maybe more so is the wrong word. Uh, I think we are seeing an appetite for nature, getting out in nature and uh, disconnecting from all of our devices and stuff that we're all trapped on during quarantine and all these things, right? Whereas in 2018, 2019, we were still, you know, happily, blissfully <laughs> ignorant about so, some of those things. So I think there's been kind of, maybe not the whole market, but there's a segment of the market that's shifted what they're looking for from a camping or RVing experience. Which is great because anything that pushes us away yeah. from our devices is a good thing. Even though I'm a geek sitting here right in front of you doing all of those things, I would much rather disconnect more than I'd rather be connected, to be perfectly honest. Well, um, I mean, it's not always about, like, a lot of the time we can't, right? A, a lot right. of us are working from home or yeah. whatever. We still need that access. But so to be able to go to a, a campground where, you know, it is a bit rustic and really natural and offers those things, but also has great Wi-Fi and, you know, some amenities. I think that's changing the way what people, some folks are seeking from, from the experience. Agreed. My my ideal resort is like in the middle of the Rockies with like really strong Wi-Fi and it has like all the amenities, but, you know, I'm like 300 miles away from civilization. Is that possible? You should no go. Yes, I have a perfect place for you. You should go to, uh, well, you, I'm, you maybe met Johan during the conference last week. Johan Fedema. He's been yeah. on this show, actually. His park, Riverview Campground, is in the middle of the Rockies, along the river. It's so stunningly gorgeous. He has Wi-Fi and an epic, several epic like playgrounds and a cool like disc golf field and all this cool, awesome stuff in the middle of the forest in the mountains. Across the border where we can't go. <laughs> Thanks, Kara, for rubbing it in. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> someday, someday, someday it'll open back up. Hopefully, I mean, I, uh, um, my wife would love to go to Canada and do some stuff. So we need to get the border open eventually. So, <laughs> but that's yeah. another topic, I guess. We don't want to get too controversial. So, <laughs> yeah, no, let's stay away from that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Daryl said that the regional stay-at-home orders in California are supposed to be lifted today. So that's good. So they're going back to a tier system on a county by county basis. So. And so um, I'm forgive my ignorance. In that county by county tiered system, are they basing restrictions off of like case counts or like what's the different everywhere? Which is yeah, it's pretty much at least if it was like last time, and maybe Daryl can <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but. I believe it was, yeah, each county could make up their own minds. And I know uh, Deli, uh, Diane Kelly, the executive director of Camp Cal now had to put, you know, they had to make a ton of phone calls. I mean, I don't know how many counties there are in California, but there's quite a few. And um, they had to make a ton of phone calls. Some counties were really receptive um, to opening RV parks and campgrounds up. And then others were obviously not as receptive. So, and I don't know what they based their decisions on whether it was science or feelings. Well, it's, not, it's not even science, right? It's it's which part of science are we doing? Yeah. Counts or yeah. hospitalizations or deaths or like yeah. what is number? Oh, he just said yes. So I must be partially correct. Right. Yeah, I think that's the most difficult part about all of this is it feels like everybody is reading into the data in different ways. And so yeah. perceptions in Every, almost every spot are different. It's really it complicates things for sure. Right, which is again why, like at least on a state level, there should be like a this is the number that you should pay attention to, whatever the number is. I'm not saying I know. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but or this is the data point, or this is what you should follow as the first step, or something consistent. So we don't have to guess. We've been guessing for a year. I don't want to guess anymore. I just want to know. I feel like yeah, we're far enough into this now where hopefully we have enough information to start making less guesses and more educated choices. But he says, it's, he says a state-based restrictions for the different tiers, but each County could also restrict things more. So I think there is like a tier. Okay. All right. So, okay. So um, that sounds a little complicated to sort through, but um, I guess I live in Michigan, so I don't have to sort through it. So, 
<laughs> but I, I um, imagine it's complicated for yeah. our players who, who are moving between those counties. I mean, I'm sure it's not simple to no. <laughs> make any would, choice about yeah, plans. Well, counties, counties are so small. And so you got somebody who lives on a border who's like, well, I live on this side where I can't go out to eat. And yep. I, and I travel 10 feet and I go out to eat and then I come back. And then is it illegal because I took my takeout with me? Like nobody right. Yeah, I mean, some, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the person that has to sort through all that. I feel for, I know Diana Kelly, she's a newer state executive, and uh, I think last year was her full, first full year with Camp Cal now, if I'm correct. Um, and I just couldn't imagine, you know, long-term executive directors have been having a lot of issues. I can't imagine being brand new and, and having to sort through a state, especially a state like California. I mean, that state's huge. Yeah, she's done a fabulous job. I think, um, you know, she's been, you know, kept tons of exposure up there and, and um, kept the pressure on where she can. I think she's doing great. Daryl says so much fun. I bet it is. Oh, look at that. We can actually show individual comments. Those, that's the old one. But. That's so fancy. Great story about oh, exactly that situation. Look at oh. Daryl. Now, now it's like a TV featured on the show. We can do yeah. this now. We yeah. can get your name and your picture up there. We can do some celebrity stuff. So I love it. Really. Um, so I'm I'm unfamiliar with what's happening in Lake Tahoe. I'm guessing restriction hurdles or miscommunication or something like that. Huh. Um, I I can only imagine. I mean, we're here in at least here in Alberta. We're fairly uniform across the board. There was some time where our major centers with two major cities in this province, um, where they were facing quite a bit more restrictions than the rural locations surrounding. Um, but we're pretty much provincial wide now in terms of a lot of the expectations. We just went through a, several weeks of pretty strict lockdown uh, again. And now those things are starting to lift. Uh, province-wide, but we'll see what that does to numbers and things like that in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Does does anybody, do you guys know, uh, maybe we'll have somebody comment, but um, if, you know, I know Maine had a really strict 14-day quarantine at one point, and um, I didn't know if, if that had ended um, or if any of the other states with the 14-day quarantine rule had ended. Have you guys heard anything? I haven't heard anything specifically about Maine, but this leads back to kind of this whole discussion, right? That, okay, here you've got a 14-day quarantine if you're going to come into, let's just pick on Maine, for example, right? Whatever the state is. But who's yep. enforcing that? Nobody is. Like, I, I mean, so what is, the, I mean, there's, there's a, it's like a waiver at your campground, right? Like, here's a waiver you can sign, but when we get to court, if we really need to fight this, like, the waiver's not going to stand up in court. So, mm -hmm. yes, there's a point to having it, but... Does it really matter? I mean, most people will probably follow it, but some people won't and nobody's checking and it's a mess. Well, here's here's yeah. a great example, not camping specific, but my daughter was sent home from school on Friday uh, in the middle of the day. Her teacher just came in and said, everybody needs to go home now. Um, I guess the two days prior, someone from in their class had tested positive and they had been in the classroom all week together. So my daughter and her entire classroom now are required to do a 14-day isolation at home. Um, so when I was talking with them about the logistics of that, because I have another child who goes to a different school, you know, do I keep him home because his sister is in isolation and was potentially exposed? He obviously was her, around her at those same times as well. No, nope, no problem. He can go to school. He's fine. Yeah. I can go to work, their dad and his wife can, everybody can go to work and live life as normal. My daughter just has to isolate. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. As don't get together for Christmas, but go out to eat. It does, none of this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, you know, like here in Michigan, they, you know, the restaurants are supposed to be opening back up February 1st. And, um, okay. but they've been letting people go to casinos. What? So we got this huge right. casino. Half an hour away from me, and it's like, you know, I've I've been to a casino. I don't know if you guys have been to a casino, but um, I imagine you have. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't understand how that's any better than going out to eat. I don't. It's not. 
I mean, other, other than other than inside the casino, I'm presuming that you would be wearing a mask while you're playing, while as going out to eat, you take off said mask. That would be the only difference I can think of. I, I mean, and I right, guess... Right, but you're also touching all the same machines oh, I'm not and rubbing your sense. hands all over chips. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying that's the only thing I can think of that's going through their heads. It's bizarre to me. Even Daryl saying here, the state line runs right through the lake. So it must be talking about Tahoe. So the business is essentially right around the corner under hugely different restrictions. So the same thing, whoever's making these choices, it feels like nobody's talking to each other about anything, right? In a situation like Tahoe where, you know, presumably since, you know, the state line runs right through, you would communicate with one another about restrictions. But apparently that's not a requirement. It's bizarre. It's like a houseboat on Lake Tahoe with a restaurant on it. Right. Yeah. 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 I know here in Alberta, I see Angela's comment about uh, uh, tribal land. So that's often that's the case typically here too. And and we did see some of their casinos stay open longer than um, those off of the uh, First Nations lands, but. Uh, once the provincial orders stepped in, that that kind of changed. But um, yeah, it's again they're not talking with one another, and you could argue that oftentimes those communities are, you know, have a harder time, you know, dealing with significant healthcare issues and things like that. Those smaller communities on those tribal lands. So, uh, well, to be to just clarify, she. She's probably right about it being owned by a tribe, but the casino I'm thinking of is not on actual, like, it may be on tribe-owned land, but it's not in, like, a reservation or anything. So um, right. it's a freestanding casino. But um, uh, it's just interesting, you know, the tribal thing just adds a different level to it, that you could possibly have these entities of their own in the, in the state and they're under completely different restrictions. Yeah, I mean, well, and they have their own governance usually. They, they usually yeah. have their own band and, I mean, up here, uh, I can't speak for everywhere, but they have their own band of, of representatives and they kind of get to make their own calls about a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, it muddies the waters for sure. But well, I know... Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say there's a, a the opposite effect in South Dakota that I read a couple months ago is there was a tribal uh, community reservation, uh, tribal lands where they didn't want anybody, like South Dakota has no restrictions. And so right. they didn't want, they wanted to put restrictions on. And so they have a highway that ran through their their tribal lands that they tried to shut down and the state didn't want, like it was a whole mess to so the opposite direction comes into mm -hmm. play too. Yep. No, I don't, I don't doubt it. And like I said, oftentimes they have limited, you know, medical care facilities or, or, you know, they're farther from a major hospital or whatever they may need in the case of a, of a outbreak or health issues or whatever. So yeah, it's complex. Yeah. I guess, you know, the reason I brought up the main, I guess they uh, lowered it to a 10 day quarantine in December. So I don't know if they've lowered it since then, but um, you know, looking to the spring, I know park owners are getting pretty eager to open here in a, in a couple months. And I think everybody industry-wide feels like, you know, this is going to be a really strong year if people can open on time and, you know, depending on restrictions. Obviously, I know main parks were hit pretty hard due to the 10-day, you know, the 14-day quarantine and the, and the Canadian border being closed. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see if parks, you know, which parks can open on time, how they're going to be able to open. Um, hopefully, like parks in Maine, will be able to have a bit a better season than maybe they did last year. I know that's, that's some the marketing park, thing, right? To a certain extent, if yeah. Before I go into that, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I know some parks closed early because of restrictions last year. Yeah, and yeah, and Brian, it, it is a marketing thing. Obviously, you've got to. I think I was reading a comment by Duncan Winship. Um, who owns Papoose Pond Family Campground in Maine. Yeah. And, you know, they hired an in-state um, marketing firm to help with their with their uh, marketing, obviously, because they're just going to, you know, they're aiming to attract a lot of Maine campers right. because nobody's going to Maine traveling typically and going to do a 14-day quarantine. So, mm -hmm. I mean, so here's my thing. Like, I, I don't, again, I don't own a campground, never have, and so I could be speaking of some things ignorantly, right? But if I'm a campground owner... I'm going into this season assuming that I'm going to have a 10 or 14 day quarantine and that the Canadian border is going to be closed. 
and I'm going to market that way. And if the Canadian border opens and if there's no more 10-day or 14-day quarantine, all of those people are going to flood in anyway without me spending any ad money on it. So I might as well be prepared for the worst. Yeah, I mean, I don't think if you're a campground owner, you have the excuse of I wasn't prepared for this year. I mean, you've had, you went through last year, you, um, you know, you know, you know that this COVID stuff isn't, isn't going away right mm -hmm. now. So you're definitely, you know, if you enter the season and you're like, I wasn't prepared, then, then I think that's a little bit on, on you at that point. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I do think that's a big part of why folks are feeling a lot of positivity is they've been able to kind of adapt. Last summer was this crazy roller coaster ride that they, a large majority of them came out, you know, on top of and did really well. So now they're like, okay, we've, we can handle this. You know, we can roll with these punches. We've got strategies and stuff in place to be able to operate within any expectations of us legally and on the basis of any of restri the restrictions in place. So I, I, I mean, I think that coupled with the insane levels of excitement about our industry and interest is setting us up for a really positive dynamic right now, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it could be just, uh, I you know, some of these parks had record years last year, even though they weren't, even though with the COVID restrictions, they didn't get started as early. And some of these parks still had record years, which is just amazing um, to think about. Yeah. But, you know, then they're entering this year when they're potentially going to have a full season. And I know, you know, plenty of people up here in Michigan, it's snowing right now. But, I mean, they're eager. I mean, typically during the winter, recreational stuff slows down a little bit. I mean, I think we've seen a lot more people out even during the winter um, sledding, doing walking, finding any way to get outdoors. And uh, I think, you know, once summer hits and the warm weather's here, it's just going to be a, a flood of people. So it's going to yeah, be crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So um, what's what's incredible, too, is the amount of uh, campers that are going to some of these off the off the beat um, campgrounds. You know, they're just trying to find anywhere to go camping at this point. Um, yeah, I think, something new. Yeah, I mean, I think the national park system saw that last year. They were saying that you know they're less visited. National parks were seeing increases because um, you know people just want to get outdoors. Um, I know I talked to campgrounds that don't spend a lot of market money on marketing, and and um, they were seeing a lot you know stronger midweek traffic than they nor nor normally see. So people are just. Mm -hmm. People just want to get outside, so. Which yeah, well, and there's a dynamic where, like I said, people are typically working from home. And I know for me, for my own case, like my kids used to be so busy with sports and music and extracurricular stuff that it was hard to fit other things in, like trips or going out camping for a couple of days. And with all that stuff on pause for so long, just kind of have more time flexibility and can, you know, take off for a couple of days or whatever where, where possible, which it's making for a unique dynamic for our industry, for sure. In some ways, that's maybe better too, having that extra time. Totally. Yeah. It's been one of my biggest realizations from, from this past year of experience is just like we were over scheduled and doing too many things that just weren't necessary. Um, it's given me a ton of perspective about time with my kids and, and that unstructured time that um, we just didn't have any of before, how valuable it is for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, this, uh, a lot of people have been doing uh, road schooling this year um, or homeschooling. It'll be interesting to see how much that impacts things down the road too. Like, are these people gonna keep doing that? you know, next year? Are they going to, um, you know, stop doing it and send their kids back to school next year? Um, are people going to, you know, plan on doing it next year? So homeschooling next year. So they're going to be planning trips further into the fall and maybe that impacts the fall season too, which we know has already been getting busier. So that'll be kind of interesting to see. I'm hearing from tons of folks who whose work is saying, you know, we're planning to stay 
remote like this indefinitely. It's working great. You know, we're their their offices are not having to pay crazy lease expenses and utility bills and all this stuff. It's just been this sudden realization that like we can be functional like this and efficient and productive um, and just kind of improve so many factors that it just makes too much sense. So I do think those folks in those positions will probably make make choices about you know keeping their kids home and, and things like that. I it's gonna it's it's a pivotal, big societal change, all of this, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good that can come out of it, though, I think. Oh, yeah, yep. So. Yeah, I, I don't, I definitely don't think it's all bad. Um, there's been tons of positivity and just like seeing people's ability to adapt and, you know, support each other and all these things, oftentimes, you know, from afar or whatever, like, our ability to meet and connect with people like both of you i i've never met either of you in person but i feel like i know you i know your families and i you know i care about you as people and i mean i can't imagine that prior to covid <laughs> it just wouldn't have been a thing in my life right yeah i mean like you know like the show we're on right now um you know i had thought about doing something like this a few years ago and and brian mentioned you know doing the show here you know i think mainly what sparked brian's interest was you know uh the covid thing you know i don't know um so i mean this is a different way of reaching out that you know we um didn't have before so that's kind of neat <laughs> yeah it, it's facilitating connection that was frankly born out of a necessity to connect with people in in a new way um and i think that's telling about some of the positives in terms of you know folks ability to adapt and change and and we see that in tons of our members you know the way they're operating they're improving their business strategies and all kinds of things out directly out of necessity forced on them by this whole scenario that they just wouldn't have even they didn't have to consider before and now right. their businesses are doing better um they have better processes in place you know there's there's positives absolutely we yeah, need to the old mindset of well, i can't change well everybody can change you just have to be forced to or you have to want to but you definitely can change and sometimes that change can be for the better it's just your perspective and how you frame things right we yeah. often don't change until we are forced to we typically need some sort of external uh requirement i think when we're kind of coasting and things are good and my campground is pretty much full and i'm doing well i don't need to change but uh this this out outside external uh impact on on their business really pushed a lot of us to change and that's just human nature we need something to motivate us to change yeah I mean, but you look at like, look at the conference last week. I mean, that's amazing. We had like hundreds of campground owners who arguably would have talked your ear off about how they can adopt technology and it will never work for them and blah, 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 blah. And they were interacting and engaging and networking and using video chats and having a great time. And, and not just that, but reaching out to me and saying like, this absolutely, I, I so needed all of this human interaction and connection. It's been months, you know, of being feeling isolated and all kinds of things that, I mean, I never imagined the event would have that kind of impact. I think, I mean, early on I was saying like, nobody's gonna sit in a networking lounge in the evening time on their computer and drink wine with us, but they did. We had, we had folks in there every night. We had tons of great conversations. Um, you know, again, more people that I've met that, you know, I think are fabulous and look forward to having good, strong friendships with into into the future. Well, I think you guys benefited from a good time of year to do it, too. Um, you know, the fall shows are nice, but, you know, the park owners are just wrapping up. Um, at least, you They're know, some, some of them are still wrapping up their seasons or um, just wrapped up their seasons. But, you know, mm -hmm. January by January, they're past the holidays. They, uh, they, you know, they're doing improvements at their parks and stuff, but they don't have the day-to-day -day grind of the, of the RV park or campground. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, I think they were, uh, you guys did it at a good time. You know, they're, they're ready and willing to participate and, 
and they don't have other things as much on their brain, maybe. So I think that worked in your yeah, favor. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Um, so, but yeah, uh, we did we did have some feedback about cooking, but we'll see what happens with that into February, maybe. But time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been pretty exciting. I think, you know, when you talk to campground owners, it was a stressful 2020, but they're also really excited about the potential for their businesses. Now I know, you know, not everyone had a banner year in 2020. Um, some park owners are, you know, gonna be trying to recoup losses this season or, you know, trying to get past a, maybe a year that was just a break even year. But, you know, there is a segment of the, park owners that are just really excited you know they're seeing their business come alive and um they're they're able to do some of the projects that they had been wanting to do at their parks which is really exciting um for the industry too to see all these improvements going on at parks that have been around for a while um you know there's a lot there's some of these parks that need a lot of improvements um to keep up with i think the the technology and the RVs have definitely gotten a lot bigger. So, well, so that goes back yeah. to you, you, your comment earlier about all these parks are being sold, right? Yeah. There's much interest in people buying them. That's because, like, from a marketing perspective, and I don't know, like, the finances and the infrastructure and, like, whether a sewer pipe is in good enough quality to give me a discount or an increase on the state. I don't know any of that. But I know yeah. from a marketing standpoint, I can probably look at 80% of campgrounds in the United States and confidently tell somebody to buy this because with, a $5,000 investment in marketing, like you can triple your money just with marketing alone and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Because it's not because the owners haven't wanted to do that. It's because they've just not done it for 30, 40 years. They haven't been on Facebook and done dynamic pricing and, you know, got an online reservation system and all the things that have evolved and adapted without COVID that mm -hmm. can just dramatically increase your revenue with a few tweaks. And I think, things like that make it easier to get the financing because I think a bank comes in and they they look and they see the market interest and they see what other parks in the area are doing and it's just booming right now and uh, I, I imagine it has to put some of their minds at ease a little bit too so yeah no I think it's uh, it's there's no question that we're on kind of the precipice of a lot of change for our industry right now um, you know, things like, like that glamping session at the conference last week was so well attended. I had so many people reach out to me afterwards and be like, oh my gosh, like I want to buy 10 of those tents and like people are interested in diversifying and, and kind of fired up about things again, which is exciting and, uh, super positive for the industry as a whole. Yeah. And I don't know if, um, I don't know how many, uh, people, um, would be interested, but there is a new glamping magazine that is coming out here. It's actually uh, David Kors from the Glamping Show USA is actually putting together the magazine. Um, oh. I believe it's going to be called Glamping Americas, but um, I think it's labeled under Glamping USA magazine at the moment. I'm trying to find a link and I can post it for people, but it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, it's kind of focused on that glamping segment. So anybody who's interested in uh, keeping up on the glamping side of things, um, obviously we do do some stuff at Woodalls um, that's focused on glamping, but they're going to be more focused on like glamping uh, parks, solely glamping parks, I think, um, some different stuff like that um, that maybe we don't get into as much. Um, in the RV parking campground industry. There I put the link up. But the glamping thing is going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, and then the natural disasters just besides COVID in 2021, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how hurricanes and wildfires, um, I mean, out west it was just devastating this year. And I know it has been for a couple mm -hmm. years. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays into everyone's seasons here in 2021 as well so well just focusing on the glamping though for a second like i i, I think we had this conversation Kara, maybe in the lounge one of the nights is that i like i fully expect like if you're a campground owner and you're not pivoting to glamping already with this huge interest in the outdoors at least in some capacity even if it's one or two sites you're mm -hmm. going to be left 
behind very, very quickly. Like, do not oh, be yeah. surprised in less than, I bet, less than five years before Marriott and IHT and Hilton and all these places are doing glamping. And they're going to figure out a way to make it vertical. They're going to figure 100%. out a way to scale it. They're going to figure out a way to put it on their roofs. And they're going to figure out a way to compete with you. Get ready. Start pivoting now because you've got a head yeah. start. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the well, and you have these. Sorry, Ben. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say you have such a new, you have new access to this segment of the market that maybe you didn't before with folks being restricted for travel to really expose them to a higher end kind of unique experience. And so capitalizing on that right now is going to be really wise, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we've been saying for a number of years now that they, you know, the glamping has been coming on strong. And, uh, you know, if, if you have room for a couple of tents or something, uh, or tents or teepees or whatever, it's, you know, time to take, definitely take a look and invest in, in doing that. Yeah, um, but that's I think, a whole different animal, Ben. Like, I didn't even interrupt you, but this is a whole different animal when you've got all of these new people who are involved in the outdoors and the hotels who are losing business hand over fist and can't yeah. really keep the doors open, that's going to push them a lot faster into competing with what you already have. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the hotels are already starting to do some sort of glamping stuff. Um, I think Marriott has a glamping. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I know I ran into an article about they put a glamping tent up at a Chicago hotel or whatever, they're just doing what they can to attract people. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not they figure out that business model. As soon as they figure out how to make it scalable and work, you're going to see 500 of them in five years all over the country. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It, um, now I, you know, what's interesting about the glamping parks though, too, is they get scrutinized almost as much as the campgrounds and RV parks, which is kind of surprising to me. I know under canvas has been trying to build, which is a huge, uh, you know, they own a number of glamping parks throughout the U.S. They've been trying to get these resorts permitted, new resorts permitted, and they run into roadblocks in different areas, even though they're only trying to build 25 maybe tent sites. So that's been kind of interesting to see, um, you know, even the smaller glamping parks are still running into some of the same issues that RV park and campground owners face. So even though there's going to be less traffic, that's so. a land thing, right? Like you still have to have the land and then you have yeah. to get it zoned and all those kinds of things. If you're already zoned for a hotel, not everywhere, but in a lot of cases, you're zoned for accommodation. Yeah. So that land already exists and you can build whatever you want on it. Vertic I mean, not whatever you want. Obviously, it has to be inspected and all those kinds of things. But the very entry yeah. is a whole lot less. Well, no. I think... It this goes hand in hand with the financing, the banks realizing this industry is valuable too. I think counties and, and, and regions that are paying attention to what's happening in the world will be crazy to continue to refuse these businesses as tax bases, especially corporate tax bases are really going to start changing when folks, you know, when companies aren't having office space anymore and folks are working remotely and things like that, they're going to have to pivot too in terms of where they want to expect their tax base to be supported by. Um, and, and so I hope that this will change some of that really strict regulatory uh, barrier stuff that we see to, to new development. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Put your link up there, Ben. I know I don't think that they can click on it, but at least you can get the name out of it, like the Gwen and you can Google <laughs> You can uh, click on it in the Facebook comments. Yeah. And there, okay. and there's an, this is in a different country, but Marriott opened a glamping resort in another country. I think it's Bali um, with 100 glamping tents. So, yep. I mean, it's not that Marriott and some of these hotel brands haven't been thinking about it already. They're just maybe not doing it in the U.S. as much, but they definitely would will probably shift at some point. So All they have to do is figure out the model that makes them the money they want to make. And as soon as they do, that's it. Their biggest hurdle is probably like infrastructure stuff, like getting power and water and things like that to these units. Um, and uh, certainly on the properties that they already own, I think you are going to see them starting to scoop up campground or RV park properties as well in specifically to do this stuff. <clears throat> if you don't 
thing they don't have a hundred people working on how to make power lines running more affordable and sewer lines more affordable and how to get the like they're going to compete with you and they're going to compete with you on a scale that you can't match if you don't start innovating yeah. purely from a price perspective yeah and um yeah, I mean, it's just uh, what I'm kind of interested in, too, is, um, and I know we've spoken a little bit about this, is the all-inclusive model. And I think the more you get hotels involved, maybe that puts pressure on doing more of the all-inclusive model where you pay for everything up front and then you have access to everything. Um, yep. I know some campgrounds are doing that, but majority of them are it's not a doom gloom right like we're not saying that campgrounds and rv parks are going away not by any stretch no. of the imagination we're saying that this is an expansion right now of new people who are interested in the outdoors and glamping and who have never considered it before and would mm -hmm. only go to hotels that's a huge new market that you can either take a hold of or you can lose to marriott you're still yeah. going to be fine with your campground and your rv park and all the pull throughs and the primos and the 30-foot trailers and the tenters they're all still going to come to your park yeah, so RVing is still through the roof, for sure. Yeah. It's just diversification. There's a property here in Alberta called Mount Engadin Lodge, and they do they have like a little B&B, &B, gorgeous little property with five or six rooms or whatever, but they also have at, started adding glamping units, and they do full all-inclusive. So all your meals, they do like breakfast, they'll pack you a lunch to take on your hike out in the Rockies, and then when you come back, there's like afternoon tea and dinner, and all of this stuff ready for you is fully like you don't have to bring anything to this place. Their glamping tents are fully set up and outfitted. You can stay there in the winter, bring your dog if you want. Like th there are companies that are, are doing these new things and are doing incredibly well and are doing it in the midst of COVID restrictions and things like that, too. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think it just goes back to what Andy Cates from RBC was talking about with the segmentation. You know, it. You know, they're gonna glamping is kind of segmenting for you know a different segment from the the camping crowd, but you know, so it's kind of interesting to see how everything's segmenting. So, you bet. So I put the link to your. That's the right link, right? Mount Engdenden. Yes. Yeah, it's so lovely. I highly recommend it. Well, we, you, you know, you keep rubbing in Canadian resorts. We can't go up there, Kara. Okay, it's but I there's some Canadians listening who can benefit from my vast knowledge here. I guess I could fly in an airplane and just jump out, parachute. parachute you, can fly. you can fly in tomorrow, Ben. There's international flights coming into the airport 10 minutes from my house every day. Fly in. You just need a COVID swab. A COVID swab. Okay. Yeah, a negative one. A negative one. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. We'll go to Mount Engadine Lodge. I don't know. I don't. I haven't been COVID tested. I just I haven't went and been just because I haven't gotten sick since. Well, do you want to go with Kara and stay at this COVID lodge and have so. your own weekend together, or like, do you want to not? I feel like well, I, ideally, it'd be awesome if we could just book all the rooms and all the people. We could just have a full weekend. In the mountains, all That's the family, cool. bring all the kids. How many kids do you have been? Four? Uh, four. I want to do a bear hunt. Is there a oh. campground where I can do a bear hunt? I mean, I feel like right now is the wrong time of the year for a bear hunt. <laughs> but uh, probably, I, I imagine, I, I don't know, to be honest, I'm not going to speak on that. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> have you gone bear hunting before, Kara? No. Hard no. No. Hard no. Okay. No. Why do you want to do bear hunting? What? Why do you want to hunt a bear? Uh, I don't know. It's just, I a like the, a great experience. Really yeah, I, I like the fur, and I yeah. would be cool to. Or against it. I mean, I, it's not something I would probably do. But you can eat the why? I'm I'm sure that there's all kinds of restrictions. You probably need a pretty uh, yeah, it's expensive. Rare license and things like that for that stuff so uh no i haven't been bear hunting then not my jam do you, now do you go skiing do you ski me yes yeah. absolutely yes <laughs> yes <laughs> is this surprising i ski and i ice skate it's winter here for like eight months <laughs> you have to <laughs> otherwise got, you don't go outside 
I can ice skate, but not very, you know, like I can stay upright and move on the ice, but I don't think I can do anything fancy. So I can um, ice skate with shoes yeah. on. Ice <laughs> Snowshoeing, cross country skiing, all the outdoor wintry things I'd like to do. I, I you like must, to go, or you have to stay in. I like to go skiing, but in, in Southern Michigan, it's more of a, like a, I don't, it's more of like sledding with two things on your feet. It's not really skiing. It's the hills are really small. So. Oh, I see. Yeah. There's nothing like skiing in the Rockies for sure. Ah, but Angela wants you to stream your bear hunting adventure. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that stuff is pretty popular. I, uh, my son and I go deer hunting and we've actually talked about starting to stream some of our deer hunts. Um, when we actually see a deer, we haven't, we haven't had very much luck the last year or so. So it'd be kind of a boring video. I was going to say, I could have, I could have my son dress up as Bigfoot and we could do like a Bigfoot sighting video. Awesome. Possible that you've been, too isolated for too long, Ben. <laughs> yeah, the, the ideas are dwindling now. The good ideas are dwindling. We've used up all the good ideas. But, um, well, I guess, did you guys have any topics to talk about? Um, I mean, I, I looked through my Woodall's stuff, and I think we touched on everything, all the controversial stuff that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I we went we have... to bear hunting, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> It's a hot button topic. I think I there's other things we could talk about in the future too. Controversial yeah. things to, to touch on still, but we'll leave those for another day. I did read that they're opening a Margaritaville RV resort in Tennessee. 180 sites. Yet another reason to visit Tennessee. Yeah. We needed more. The developer said that it's five o'clock somewhere all the time. <laughs> so it so, sounds like an interesting resort. So that's, that's your, food that's, at those restaurants is not really that great. So hopefully they figure out a way to improve that. I've <laughs> never eaten food at a Margaritaville. Me either, me either. I've I, done, I've done one at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Yeah, yeah. Margaritas okay. I've had at Margaritaville, which I could get behind, but uh, no, I've never eaten at one of those places. We have one like five minutes from my house, so yeah. Five minute walk anyway, but yeah. All right, well, anything else we got to talk about? It's 12.07, I think we filled that content pretty well. Uh, had some good comments, stuff like that. Seemed to like this new platform a little bit better maybe. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I like the way that things pop up on the screen, the mm -hmm. comments. That looks great. And we definitely got a, quite a few comments, uh, mostly from Daryl uh, when we were talking about California, but Angela popped in there. Oh, okay. we're, not, we're not missing anything. <laughs> at Margaritaville, you mean, or in Tennessee? <laughs> Margaritaville. Well, things in Tennessee. It's too nice in Tennessee, so I've been to all. Yeah, I'm desperate to go to Tennessee. Actually, I can't wait. Someday. <laughs> so, um, but uh, well, thanks everyone for tuning in and for uh, listening to us again. And um, hopefully, you guys are all having a good beginning of the year. And uh, it was nice seeing you again, Brian and Kara. Yeah, you too. So um, have a good rest of your week, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. We'll see you soon. See you Monday. Bye.